Welcome back to the Text Lab. This is Kyle Lundquist. Glad you're here. And I am here with the one and only David Crawl. David, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Anything good to new? be back on the Text Lab. Yeah, we you were know. in here last week with three of us. That's wild. That just feels wild. It was wild. That just feels like kind of some of the craziest Text Lab possible. So Any, anything new, um, exciting as a parent? I think you were sharing a few weeks ago about a, a vomiting experience that you had. Well, I throw up in our household. None, none of recent, which okay. is good. Not as much lately, which has been good. Dude, they're just wild and crazy. They're running around nonstop, and uh, we're trying to keep up, man. And I know one of the, like, maybe the primary aspiration you have as a parent is for your oldest son to play in the MLS one day. Very true. What would you say is the or likelihood? the Premier League. <laughs> That's high. Um, and... <laughs> Is that like a... I'd say very likely at this very, point. Okay, as I've kind of like... You he know, scored six goals last week. Looking at his skills. I'm just saying it's probably locked up, wrapped up. That's pretty good. So, Well, listener, we're glad you're here. <laughs> and we are in the book of Romans. Um, we're going to be in Romans 12, 3 through 8 today. So last week we uh, finished up Romans 12, 1 and 2, where Paul is calling us to live as living sacrifices. And then he helps us understand that the way we're going to live as living sacrifices is by being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So our job as believers is to, in view of all that Christ has done for us, to devote the totality of our life to him and to be transformed into the image of the Son and to resist conforming to the world. And so now Paul's just going to keep explaining how we should be responding to the gospel. That's what 12 and the continuing chapters are just going to keep laying out for us. Just a, a little overview on 12. So 12, 1 and 2, he's given this general command to be living sacrifices. And then Dave, Dave, you're actually preaching on this, so you can yeah. tell me if I'm wrong. But I read I read this next section, 3 through 8, as Paul's going to lay out some of the... He's going to lay out the fact that all of us have unique ways that we live as living sacrifices. So he's going to talk about spiritual gifts and different ways that we minister in the body. And so, you know, whoever's listening to this podcast, you are empowered in unique ways to love vintage grace. That's really important for us to all know. And then once you get to verse 9 through 21, he's talking about general commands. These are just things that all of us do. And so again, we're, we're in 3 through 8 today. We're going to talk about um, some of these unique ways that people minister to the body. Yeah, I think one thing to even think about as we, you dive into this passage, uh, thinking about what's going on in their town. Paul here is laying out a vision for the body of Christ. And this would have been like the first time these people would have been hearing that there was something such as the body of Christ. So we read these passages and we're like, okay, yep, I heard I'm, I'm part of the body. And, you know, then maybe you think of First Corinthians 12 or you think of Ephesians 3. You think about these other places where Paul is like talking about what it means to be a part of the body of Christ and mm. Christ is the cornerstone. But this would have been this brand new concept for them that you are a part of the body and so there's really this identity work that he's doing with them the same way uh two weeks ago we talked about being a living sacrifice and that would have been a brand new idea for them to have heard they would not have had a concept of a living sacrifice they would have had a concept of dead sacrifices in the old testament yet jesus now is this living sacrifice and now you participating in the resurrection of Christ are now this living sacrifice as well. And so even just to kind of think about that, what that would have been like for them as he's talking about who you are as, as the body of Christ in this very collective corporate sense. He's talked a lot about their new life in Jesus and Romans five through eight They They are no longer slaves to sin. They're slaves to Christ. The spirit lives in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Now he's saying Jews, Gentiles, 
come together. You are this new body of Christ. I think he's really forming and shaping that in their minds. Cool. So let's read this passage. We'll hear some of those ideas. And then just like you hit on, a good reminder is that Paul is writing to two groups of people, Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, who didn't get along. And maybe one of the things that was happening is one group would be tempted to think highly of themselves, Mm -hmm. to think like, hey, we're Jewish. We've historically been God's people. We're better than you new Gentile Christians. Or the Gentiles think, ha, we just got grafted in because you guys weren't good enough. We're better. We didn't kill Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Paul's going to just put a nail on that kind of arrogance and Mm. pride in this first verse we read. So let me read Romans 12, 3 through 8. So again, remember, maybe there's some people in the church who are thinking very highly of themselves, thinking they're better than somebody else in the church. And he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who acts with mercy, with cheerfulness. So you can see in verse 3, he's calling out the arrogant people in the crowd and saying, hey, don't think so highly of yourself. Why? Verse 4 says, because we're one body, which is what you're getting at. Yeah, and he really even references back to some language that he's used earlier in Romans. Romans 2, 1, going all the way back to kind of the beginning of this series, he talks about judgment. Paul does. And so he's referencing that again. He says in Romans 2, 1, Oh, you therefore, every one of you who judges, you have no excuse. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. So it's once again just equally in the playing field between Jews and Gentiles and saying every single one of you have nothing to boast on about yourself. Uh, Every single one of you have no reason to be prideful because you are each equally sinners, each equally in need of God's grace, each equally in need of his gift of salvation. And that's where your identity is. You have nothing to boast on, nothing to be prideful of. Um, And then, and and that's, that's going to be really important for how the community functions, for how the community comes together, humility and a deep sense of um, rightful thinking, sober judgment about each person's individual need for the gospel is just going to be so crucial for them, the community actually being able to be the body of Christ that he talks about in verse four. Yeah, that's really good. Just pulling this from their town to our town in our world, we don't feel the Jewish Gentile divide. Like that's, that's not how division, disunity would show up in our context. And that's probably, you know, I, I, I am a Gentile and I'm not like walking around like, man, I'm so much better than the Jewish Christians in vintage grace. But this same kind of arrogance and pride for sure shows up in our hearts and in our churches. And it might be, um, and Paul's going to get at this in another passage in Romans 12, where he talks about the body, but it might be that there are people that we look down on because of sins that they struggle with. And we feel like, pfft, can't believe anybody would ever struggle with that kind of sin. And so we start to have this high view of ourselves, or what Paul calls like weaker members in, um, well, he's going to talk about that later. And also in, in Romans 12, he talks about the parts of the body that we think 
kind of deserve naturally we think deserve less honor he actually says we actually esteem them mm. and so there are probably people that we feel like yeah i know that this pastor or this life group leader or that person they deserve honor but there's all these people we just kind of look past um and it's easy for in our heart for us to start having a high view of ourselves. but paul is he's just sort of like trying to pull people back down to earth yeah and remind us hey remember in view of god's mercy all of us were sinners all of us have been saved. We're all in the same boat that was sinking and we've mm-hmm. all been saved by the same savior. Yeah. And so it's absurd actually to think that you are higher than another person. Um, but it's not just absurd. What what he's getting at here is like, it, it actually, like to, to your point, it destroys our ability to do what God has called us to do. Um, because this is what Paul will get in, in, to, in Romans 12 or first Corinthians 12. He's going to say like, imagine if your hand decided like, I don't really want to be part of this body. And I don't really want to work with my other hand or your eyes felt like we're superior to the kidney. And so we want no part. If all of a sudden, like all the body parts start going their own way, the body falls apart. And so it's, it's, he's not just calling people out because it's sinful for us to think of ourselves more highly than others. Our ability to fulfill the mission and to be light to the world and to bless all the families, all the nations, like God wants us to do it's totally contingent on us embracing humility, which is actually really profound. Like we all know humility is important, but I don't tend to think that our ability to do what Jesus has called us to do is totally dependent on me walking with humility and not thinking that I'm better than other people. Yeah. Yeah. A few, about a year and a half ago, uh, we had all of our staff, all of our life group leaders read Andrew Murray's book, Humility. And it's it's just this great exposition of, okay, what does it actually mean for us to live in real humility? Which is really, I I like how, uh, I love how Paul says that, even just the the sober judgment. It's really just um, truthfulness. Humility is actually just reality. It's actually just a right-sized view of yourself and and a right-sized view of God. Sorry to interrupt. That's just really important because Humility is not self-loathing. Yes. And humility is not self-deprecating thoughts. Humility yeah. is not thinking I'm garbage. You're terrible or exactly. just trying to disparage yourself. That's not so that's not thinking soberly. Yeah, that's, that's not, not thinking reality accurately. Either. Yeah. It's not truthful. What's yeah. true is you're a beloved child yes. of God who has been created to bring unique gifts to this body and you really matter. Yes. Also, you're not better than the guy next yeah. to you. Yeah. So Dallas Word talks about God as someone who lives in ultimate reality. And so what we're just always trying to do is live in ultimate reality because that's just what capital T truth is. And so like when we're thinking about humility, it's actually just this pursuit of truth. It's actually just this pursuit of ultimate reality of, okay, who is God? What has Christ done on the cross? Who am I as a broken sinner deserving of wrath, but now receiving grace? Suddenly there's no place for boasting. There's no place for pride. There's actually this joy that comes into that place of, oh, Jesus is on the throne. I can trust in him. I can rest in him. Then suddenly that allows for these now horizontal things to happen in the body of Christ. Once vertically, I think we actually recognize that true mm. place of ourselves of who we actually are before God and in Christ. And Andrew Murray has this great quote from his book, humility. He says, pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. That's good. And I, and I love that. Cause like, yeah, he's talking about like, man, until your pride dies, it, 
it will just continue to be this blockage it blockage it will continue to be this defense against the the fruit of the spirit against the things of god the things of the kingdom that god wants to put deep into our hearts to flow into our lives and then one, once that pride continues to die, it just, it opens us up. It opens us up to him, his path, his journey for our lives to relationship with others. Um, cause yeah, pride can just cause a lot of division there. Yeah. Um, and, and nothing of heaven can live in us until it, it continues to, to die. Okay. Let me share one more thought before we jump into the, where he talks about gifts, just to try to pull together some of what we're saying. We're called, I, I like what you're saying, we're called to live in ultimate reality, to just acknowledge what is true, which is um, that I matter, but I'm not better than the, you know, whoever's yep. sitting next to me in the pews. And so there's two fantasies or lies that we could swing towards. We could think that we are independent, like I'm, I'm better, mm-hmm. or we could start thinking I'm insignificant. Mm. And what Paul's calling us to here and again in First Corinthians twelve, which is a is it Second Corinthians twelve? We talks about the body. First Corinthians twelve, yes. Um, is that we're we're not insignificant, we're not independent, we're interdependent. Yeah, it's good. And we can't thrive as a body unless we live that interdependent kind of life. Some of us actually, a lot of us maybe actually lean towards feeling like we're insignificant in the body. Yeah. But here, what Paul's really calling out is those of us who are prone to think that like I'm kind of just better. And he's pulling us back down to earth so that something of heaven can start growing in us and we can live as the body. So, yeah. So our ability to live faithfully as the body of Christ is dependent on us embracing humility. And he's just reminding us, like, you're you're a body. So you got to live together in unity as a body. Verse 6, he starts talking about all these gifts. Mm-hmm. Now, we could have like a 10-episode a season about spiritual gifts. And we're going to spend just a few minutes talking about this. He talks about a number of, I don't, I don't know how many here, he talks about a number of gifts, and I don't know, what, what would you want to say about, I've got a thought I'll share in a second, but what would you want to say about this first, when he gets to this part? He's just, he's trying to spell out how um, all the different members, uh, body parts, all the different people in the church are empowered by the Spirit in unique ways, Yeah, and they all have a unique role. Yeah, I think the first thing that, two, two immediate thoughts, the first one is, is look how he anchors this in Christ in verse four, leading into verse five and six. And he's doing something really incredible here because he's he's saying, it, it, Paul's talking about some of the mysterious parts of what it means to be united in Jesus. In verse five, he says, so in Christ, we though many form one body. And, and, and so Paul's taking the body of Christ, given to us on the cross, and now saying the body of Christ continues to live because we are united to Christ through the Holy Spirit, all of us together. That's the one commonality that we all have. The body of Christ continues to live. I mean, it's this, it's this wild metaphor, symbolism, actual reality of our lives that he's talking about here is that in Christ now, we are a part of the body of Christ. His, Christ's body continues to live because his spirit is in us. And then he, he plays with that. He plays with that idea and talks about how in Christ there is one body. So we actually have Jesus' actual body. And then playing on the metaphor of a body, he talks about just how an actual body functions. That It's got lots of different parts, but it all comes together and works together. But I think recognizing that, that first of all is anchored in Christ pulls everybody together. So because it, it's easy oftentimes when we read some of these spiritual gift passages to immediately think, okay, what is my gift? What is my individual gifting? And while that is very much true, 
remembering that the point of all of this is about this larger collective corporate body that's at play. And to to I think there's two there's two extremes again here to not swing into the overly hyper focused on what is my spiritual gift. Sometimes you can go down a rabbit trail of trying to nail down exactly what your spiritual gift is. And you look at this list and then you decide I've got this one spiritual gift and like, well, I actually don't have the spiritual gift of serving. I don't have the spiritual gift of generosity or of prophesying or I don't have the spiritual gift of encouraging. And you can kind of get pigeonholed and I think a way that Paul yeah, is like, not intending I guess I here. just won't encourage people then. Yes, like I'm just like, yep, not my spiritual gift. Not yeah. my spiritual gift, yeah. Um, and, and so also there's three different places where Paul talks about these spiritual gift lists and you can, from the from the genre of the passage, from the way it's written, you can tell Paul's not trying to be exhaustive here. And he he's, talks about different gifts in different places. He talks about different gifts in different places. Yeah, their lists are each different. And so I think he's not trying to just list off, yep, there's only 22 spiritual gifts and pick your one. So recognizing that like, oh no, Paul's actually talking about something here collectively more happening in the body, which actually could lead you into a moment and an opportunity that a situation arises and you just minister in that moment because the Holy Spirit is with you because the opportunity is there. And so you step into a role of prophesying or encouraging or giving generously or leading diligently because that's the opportunity and the need in the body of Christ. So like both of those, I feel like are very true. Mm. God has definitively designed you in his image and made you in this certain way and given you certain gifts, certain strengths, certain passions to be used to serve and love others. Yet then also Paul here is talking about the body living and loving one another collectively and stepping into those roles and moments when the opportunity arises. Yeah. So again, the image of the body, like I'm thinking of my body, my hand does something different than my foot and my foot does something different than my eye and my eye does something different than my ear. Yeah. And Paul's doing something similar with the metaphor saying in that same way, just like your hand and your foot and your eye and your ears are all doing different things. Each of you in this body have unique roles to bless and minister to the body. And I do think it's important to, to like Paul, when he started this paragraph, his point was to call people to humility, mm. not to say, let me explain everything you need to know about spiritual gifts. Yeah. He's actually using this commentary about spiritual gifts to underscore the importance of humility. And humility is actually the primary point. We, because we all are sort of curious and confused about spiritual gifts, we want the passage to be all about that. But yeah. Paul's primary yeah. point is actually about humility. And I just think that's really important that we don't try to make Paul say more than he's saying. And then, but he is, he's talking about spiritual gifts. I think one thing that's just helpful to say is that people think about spiritual gifts differently. Um, w- at my old church, there's a Bible prof who I love, and he's got a unique minority view, view about spiritual gifts where he thinks that we should actually translate the word gifts as ministries. And that what's talking about here is that we all have a unique ministry to the church and that these gifts aren't necessarily hardwired into you. They are um, unique ways. The spirit's going to show up through you in any given local body. And he would say like, yeah, in this local church, you, the spirit might choose to empower you to teach and have, and, and, and minister in that way, because that's a need. And you go move across the country or move across the world. And the spirit's going to show up in a different way because the need is different. And so he's going to say, you can't just take a, a, an online spiritual gifts test and say, these are my top four. And I don't even know what the, the fifth one that was almost there, but I guess I'm not that he's going to say, we can't do it. That's, that's sort of like a, a human strength finder way of trying to figure this stuff out. And instead we need to discern a community How's the spirit showing up? 
to bless. And then there are other people who love Jesus just as much as him. And this is more of the majority view would say that God has gifted you this gift and you're going to carry that with you wherever you go. And your job is to steward that. One thing that I think is really helpful, especially because Paul's not trying to, because he's not listing every, you know, he has different lists in different places. In, in um, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, he says, this is my favorite definition for what, what are we talking about when we talk about spiritual gifts or ministries. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And I just think like, if you're wondering what a spiritual gift is, it's that the spirit is going to move through you in a way for the good and the edification of the church. That's what we're talking about. And you can think of that like my professor friend thinks about it, where it's a ministry and it might not be hardwired into you and it could change from place to place. You can think about it as, no, really God has just hardwired that into you. And that's one of the ways you're going to bless his church. People who love Jesus think differently about those things. But what is clear is that whatever it is, it's it's not about like you being a Marvel superhero and like trying to level up and wondering if your gift is better. What it's all about is the body, this unified body that you're trying to minister to. That is what it's about. Which I think is the big idea here to pull away from it is that your presence in the body matters. Yes. That God has designed you to be a part of the body. I mean, this is especially important in Avengers, superhero, land of America, lone ranger, Christianity. I don't need anybody but my laptop and Grubhub to order food and I'll stream church online and I'll watch it from the comfort of my own house. And then I pick and choose where and when I want to go to church and what body I'm even a part of. I mean, Paul is really pushing against some of our cultural threads there because what he's saying here is that your presence in the body matters. He's the body cannot operate if the hand and the fingers and the eyes don't all work together. And so he's, he's really calling people to be a part of this family. Yeah. And to be deeply committed, to be deeply committed to it and to be, um, recognizing how the whole body suffers if their presence is not there, if their role is not there, their gifting is lacking. If their spiritual gift is not there, that's why God has given us these things. It's not just for me. It's not just for us, for what I want, what I like. It really is to come and be a part of that and to recognize. I think I've always felt some mini shame there when we're talking about kind of some of those things because you're like, all right, I guess I got to come and serve the body. But no, that's the place of actually joy. That's the place of actually delight in God's family that you get to be a part of this incredible thing called the church, this incredible thing called the body of Christ that he's actually hardwired you for. He's actually designed you for to come, to serve, to be a part of it, to love, to give, and that there's this invitation, um, let alone a command to come and be a part of that now coming straight out of the Christ body that was sacrificed for us. I mean, it's just incredibly profound. And that suddenly paints this like really beautiful vision of what it means to be a part of the church, what the church is, that all the body coming together, each member serving and loving one another, that becomes this incredibly compelling thing that you actually get to be a part of that that communitas, that relationship, that life together. I, I, I feel like you just hear echoes of like Acts 2 in Paul's mind here, where Acts 2 talking about just this early church believers, they were devoted to the fellowship is what Acts 2 talks about. And so this is the body of Christ to come and be devoted to that. That looks, ends up looking beautiful yeah. to an external world who is often hungry for that type of relationship of being loved and known and seen in those ways. And it's this really high calling now for what it means to be the ecclesia, what it means to be the church together as the body. Yeah. So maybe just to try to land the plane a little bit. 
Paul starts with this call to humility. And so for some of us, that's maybe what we need to hear. We are prone to think that we're better, that our theology's tighter. We kind of can look down at our nose at these other people who don't read the books I read or listen to the podcasts I listen or whatever. And in and, and whatever way arrogance and pride shows up, he's saying, if you live like that, you're actually going to destroy and undermine the body's ability to do what God's called it to do. So there's a call to humility. That's worth us just pausing to really think through because selfishness and arrogance and pride, it just is subtle and sneaky and it, and it sneaks into us. When you're talking, I'm thinking, and, and Paul's not addressing this explicitly here, but he does elsewhere. He's also saying exactly what you just said, that every single person's presence matters and ministers. And I think there's a lot of people who struggle to trust that. Like we all know Drew matters because Drew's up there preaching and Jason matters because he's up there leading and my life group leader, they really matter. But I'm just thinking of like a life group. Like if you're just a part of a life group, you showing up radically changes the lives of your people because your presence ministers to the people there. And I just think it's so, so important because yeah, while our culture on the one hand pushes people to live as Lone Ranger Christians, we also create this world of professional Christians who kind of do everything. And Paul's just dismantling that idea and saying, no, it's, it's everybody. And so whoever you are, you matter. And your, your presence ministers and the spirit um, will use you to bless others. There's a, I've been talking about this whole time, they're, they're cross-referenced. But when Paul is in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 12, he's, he's got a line where, he, where he's imagining somebody feeling like, oh, I don't really matter. And so he says, um, he, he says, you can't say, you shouldn't say, the foot shouldn't say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Or because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. And, and he's, you know, we could translate that and say, because I'm not a pastor, because I'm not a worship leader, because I'm not a life group leader, I don't really matter. And he says, but God has so composed the body and he gives greater honor to the part that lacked it. And so God is doing this very inverse thing in our world where he's actually honoring, esteeming, and saying some of those parts of the body that you think you're prone to overlook and think are unimportant, they're actually vital. And I'm going to honor them in a unique way. So don't be arrogant and proud, but don't slip into kind of a self-loathing thought that I don't really matter. You matter in the body. Yeah. And, and as you matter in the body, it, it, your gifting and the moments for ministry and opportunity will happen not just on a Sunday morning gathering, but in all these different places all throughout the week. I think yeah, that's, that's one good. reason people struggle with here because on a Sunday morning, it's a quick moment. You see a several people using their gifting in these different ways. And we think that I got oh, seven minutes to be the oh encourager. My gosh, we have, we're so Sunday driven in the church of America that we just, we think, well, that was church. And, and, and Paul here has this vision of this community living life together, probably in small villages, in small towns, doing all this life together. And so thinking about maybe my gift is prophesying and, uh, you know, somebody in my life group texts me and they are, are struggling and I, I, I speak prophetically into their life a word from God to them that challenges them, that encourages them. I mean, encouragement is on there, that you're coming alongside someone. Or maybe someone is starting to to, to straight walk away from God and you speak prophetically into their life and say, hey, this is the path of Jesus. Or maybe it is the gift of gener- generosity and you've got somebody that you know in the church and they're struggling and you're like, you know, I just want to bless this person and we're, you know, we've got this money for a car. I know you guys are struggling. Let me, let me do that. Or if it's serving and you're like, oh yeah, we're, mm. how do I bring you a meal this yeah. week? Because you guys just had a baby and you know, there's just 
thousands of opportunities. That's good. All throughout the week, not yeah. on a Sunday worship center moment. For that will the places for you to, to do this will be in all these different places in the in the in the ways that God's oriented your life to be a part of the body, to be walking with other believers on mission, being sent out into the world together. Yeah. That becomes this then exciting opportunity to use your gifting wherever God opens the doors. Yeah. So just working through what he the, the things he lists. We could say prophecy isn't just from the platform. Mm. Service isn't just in the tech booth or the kids ministry. Yep. Teaching's just not from behind the on. lectern on a Sunday morning. Exhortation isn't just in your life group and generosity isn't just tithing. Yeah. Um, leading's not just leading an overt Organizationally. ministry. Yep. Um, and doing acts of mercy isn't just about being, you know, the person who visits people in the hospital. It could be any of those things, right. but it is not confined yes. to those things. Yes. And I think that is so helpful. To yeah. be like, okay, yep. how do I live and embody these things mm-hmm. 24-7 when I'm with my family, when yep. I'm with my neighbor, when I'm yep. with my friends? I love that. That's so good. Well, listener, thank you so much. We are glad that you're joining us as we're working through Romans 12. Our hope is that this is helpful just in your own life. And that as you're jumping into life group, whether you're just discussing or you're leading, um, that it helps you to have a meaningful conversation. As always, do your own prep um, and let the spirit lead you. We love you and we'll catch you next time on the Text Lab.